Hi, I'm Teresa, owner of T3Fit, and you're listening to the T3Fit podcast, where scoliosis warriors and professionals come together. Here we talk about our scoliosis journeys and the emotional components it takes on from being a parent to being diagnosed with scoliosis and sometimes leading to surgery. It's a place where professionals share their expertise of treatments, from physical therapy to surgery, and so much more. So let's get started. everybody, welcome to the T3 Fit Scoliosis Podcast. Today on the show, guest is Jamie, also known as the Slay Coach on Instagram. Jamie, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Yay, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. If you could just give us kind of a background of your story with scoliosis. I know that you had surgery. If you could just tell us from the time that you were diagnosed up until the current time of today. Yeah. So fun story. I love telling the story. Um, cause I don't get to talk about it a lot in, on my platform. So the, the, the typical bend over, let's check your back story in middle school or elementary school or whatever. I think I was in fifth grade I was 10 and they're like, that looks a little funky. So, um, you know, went to the doctor, got the diagnosis and jumped into that back brace. So that was fun. Um, it wasn't super bad at first. I think it was like right around 20 degrees when they started bracing me and I wore that back brace. I was a late bloomer, really, really late. Okay. Um, so I wore that back brace from age 10 to about 15 and, um, you know, I was not good at listening or following directions with that back brace. Anytime I could sneak to get that thing off of me, I would do it. I mean, I was like trying to cover up the Velcro to rip it off very quietly in my sleep because my mom could hear me ripping it off and she would run in there. And I know you're taking your brace off. And it was like the, the number one cause of fights and drama in my household was me trying to get out of this awful situation of wearing this brace. I got made fun of boys would like punch me in the stomach and say, Oh, you've got abs of steel. <laughs> I'm like, not okay to just hit random people while they're not looking. And, um, yeah, they would call me flat ass because that was back in the days when JLo got really popular and big okay. butts became a thing. So I had the brace that covered my butt. And so butts became cool around the time that I was in a brace, not cool. Um, <laughs> and so boys would like make fun of my flat cardboard, butt. they would call me cardboard ass. Cause my butt was flat from the back brace and you were just like a wall. Right. And it's middle school, right? Yeah. It's like the most awful time anyways. Yeah. Um, and so finally after years of torture in that back brace, um, you know, I only took it off for sports and you know, when my mom wasn't looking, but I did pretty good with it, I guess. Cause my curve held around 36 degrees, okay. I think. And, um, and that was 15 and my doctor who is the oldest, most old school doctor in my area, he's, you know, world renowned surgeon. He's great, but he's very old school. And so he looked at the risser factor in my pelvis and said, you're done growing. You can stop wearing your back brace. Okay. You're skeletally mature. So this is part of my problem with 
my trust in medical community now is from that trauma then of like them saying, well, the data or the science says this, you can take your back brace off. And so my mom was like, really, are you sure about that? She's five, five or five, six at the time. She wears an 11 inch shoes. She can palm a women's basketball. Her dad's six, six. I'm five, nine. There's no way she's done growing. And I was a basketball player expecting to be six foot tall because my whole life they told me, oh, this girl's going to be six foot tall. This girl's going to be six foot tall. And they're how like, long ago was this? So this was 2002 okay. or 2001, probably when I stopped wearing the brace. Okay. Um, so I was 15 at the time, sophomore in high school or yeah, it was the beginning of my sophomore year in high school. And I was like, thank God I don't have to go into another year of high school like this. <laughs> like, cause I didn't wear it in high school. I didn't wear it in school. I took it off before I put it on as soon as I got home, okay. but like, I would not wear it at school you after how tortured. Keep- keep it in your locker. I kept it in my locker. I wouldn't wear it at school. I told my mom, I'm not going to high school wearing this. I'm not going to have what happened in middle school happen in high school. So mm-hmm. I'm not wearing this in high mm-hmm. school. Okay. I think I wore it like the first week of school. And I was like, Nope, we're not doing this. No, Mm-mm. no, no, no. Cause I had to wear uniform pants. Okay. It was just different. Um, Can I ask what state you're in? Kentucky. Or, okay. Louisville. Okay. So I'm okay. in a city, like okay. I'm in an urban area. Okay. But I went from a Catholic school where we wore skirts every day, which you couldn't tell that much. to wearing like khaki pants where you could see the brace through it, or I'd have to put it on over the khaki pants. And it was just like weird. Okay. Like I'm not doing this now. And, um, my doctor at 15 said, congrats, you're done growing. And my mom was like, are you sure about that? And I was like, shut shut up, mom. (laughs) Shut up, mom. (laughs) Mom, shut up. You're mean. You don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, wait, can we cuss here? <laughs> mom, you're a pay. Calling my mom all the names in the book, like, stop it, mom. And so she, I looked at her with like this death stare and she was like, I think my daughter's going to kill me in my sleep if I don't shut up. <laughs> so, so I stopped wearing my brace. Okay. And then after about like four, six months, I was like, I'm in pain. I'm having trouble breathing when I'm running. Like I was bent over out of breath at basketball practice. And that wasn't normal. I was a point guard. So I'm used to running a lot. I was like, I'm in pain. Something shifted. So my ribs feel weird. It's just this awkward, weird, twisty feeling. It's hard to describe if you haven't had scoliosis yourself, or maybe you you have a kid that has, but it's this weird twisting. Like I just felt uncomfortable in my bones. Like my bones felt uncomfortable. It's like Like a permanent spinal rotation that you can't get out of. Yeah. But it just all of a sudden felt worse. Like my ribs felt like they were rubbing against each other or like kind of like that bone on bone feeling. I was like, and I was like, I can't describe it. It just feels weird. Okay. And I am in pain. And so we went to the doctor and my curve went from 36 degrees to six, almost 60 degrees. I think like 66, 67 or yeah, almost, almost yeah. 56, 50. Yeah. Almost 60 degrees. So it's 56, 57 in just a few months. So of not having the brace. And after a doctor had said, you stop growing and you're fine and you don't need to do anything. We don't have to do surgery. We don't have to do anything else. You're done growing. And I had a big growth spurt apparently, but I didn't grow upwards. I grew side to side. And um, that's why I was telling everybody why my torso is short. (laughs) Like I have a six foot wingspan, but I'm only five, eight. What does that say to you? Yeah. Like my wingspan should not be four inches longer than how tall I am. So yeah, then after that, my doctor's like, all right, well, we're going to do the surgery now. It's like, great. Five years of torture 
in a brace just end up having the surgery anyways. So, so I was bitter and, uh, you know, cut my basketball season short. And so we, um, did surgery a few months after that. And you were, how old were you when you had the surgery? 15 and a half, almost six. It was a couple months before I turned 16. Okay. And And what, sorry, go ahead. I had, when the doctor, another thing I need to preface, the doctor told me to stop wearing my back brace. I had not started my period yet. Interesting. I hadn't even started. I was not menstruating. And he was like, you're done growing. I'm like, my mom's like, really? She wears an 11 inch shoes and she's five, five. And she hasn't started her period yet. Are you sure she's done growing? Yeah, yeah there's there's a lot to be said for that. Yeah. So <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot I, to be said for that. So you were 15 when you had the surgery. And then what was it like? Do you remember what it was like before having the surgery and then after? Um, before the surgery, my mom was trying to schedule it in the summer so I wouldn't miss school. And I was like, why would you take my life away from me? I want to miss school. I hate school. Take me out of school. Let me have that. At least if I have to go through this, at least don't make me miss my summer. Mm -hmm. So I convinced her to let me have it during the school year. Um, so that I could get out of the thing I hated the most, which was school. Cause I was, I I run it. I've always been an entrepreneur at heart. I knew I never wanted to go to college unless I was going to be able to play basketball there. Once I couldn't play basketball anymore. I was like, college is not for me. I always knew that I would be successful in whatever I did, but I wasn't going to do it the college way. Okay. So school was not my jam. I mean, I was really smart. I've made great grades, but I hated it. So, Okay. okay. So I got out of school and had the surgery and I was, you know, home for like three months, I think my homeschool for a few months. And And, um, do you remember what it was like for you after the surgery, when you were in the hospital? Well, I went from five, six to five, eight. I remember that being crazy. Okay. They straightened me out. That's extreme. Wow. I had two inches of growth. Um, that, and I still have about a 30 degree curve in my neck. So I had an S curve Okay. and they didn't straighten the top curve. Okay. I didn't want my neck fused. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it, my, my fusion is from T4 to L2. Okay. Um, so, you know, like three fourths of my back, <laughs> but I, you know, was in pain as usual and the waking up terrified and give me the damn morphine and you know did you have any type of physical therapy in the hospital no I mean they walked me up made sure I could walk on my own okay they made me walk the stairs before I could go home like I remember um I my first bath I couldn't bathe myself I remember that being super weird I remember seeing that on one of your posts Mm -hmm. and that your best friend was there and she accommodated she helped you through that which is pretty amazing Right. My 15 year old best friend or 16 year old best friend at the time, like, um, was there with me every day at the hospital yeah. and, you know, she helped bathe me and my friends were all there like rallying around me. It was great. Yeah. Like, you know, they kind of brought pillows in their cars in order to pick me up and stuff. That's, that's a lot of support. That's a lot of support. Yeah. That, I mean, I, that it's, we should all be so lucky. I'm still friends with those two girls who were really there for me during that, uh, time of my life, but but after surgery, I was just handed a bottle of pills and says, here you go. And you're 15 and here's some drugs and, <laughs> and, and go home and go home. And how yeah. long, how long were you in the hospital for a week? I think. Okay. Okay. And how 
once you got home and like you started to live again, how did it feel? Like how just alone the um, just having the fusion alone is one thing, but the psychological aspect of adjusting, like not being able to bend. How long did it did you? How long did it take you to get used to that? Gosh, I don't even remember. I think I blocked it all out because um, I was a dancer too. Okay. So I, I also have like hyper flexibility. I think my kids have it. I think it's part of the reason why I got scoliosis. I mean, okay. nobody really knows, but um, I mean, I could do back bends and back walkovers and it's still one of the biggest like sad points or like morning points. Like I never got over the fact that it's harder for me to stretch now. It's harder for me to do yoga moves and I never stopped missing being able to bend backwards. And I get thankfully it. my, my, thankfully my fusion is right directly in the middle. I mean, like, it's pretty, like, I still have, you know, a lower function. You still have, yeah. You still have some mobility. So some it hasn't mobility. taken, yeah. hasn't taken you away completely. No, it's, it's right there in the middle. Had it gone two more vertebrae down, it would be hard. Um, or even, three, two or three more up, it would have been okay. harder, I think, but it's okay. like right in the middle of my back. So, so how long has it been since you've had the surgery? I'm 34. So <sighs> it'll be 20 years next year. And how does it feel now? Um, I mean, I was on pain pills for probably 10 years after the surgery until I realized that I got, I could get my core strong and I wouldn't be in pain anymore. Okay. So I'm good now, but I also have a husband that gives me massages all the time, which is great. So that, that definitely helps. I that have definitely that. Help. I have <laughs> a, miracle, a miracle of a husband. Um, but I just learned, I got off pain medication because my doctor was very much never see a chiropractor. They're the devil. Now I, you know, we all have our own opinions on that, but I go to a chiropractor now who I feel very safe with and okay. he knows all about my ailments and he, we do exercises together and he, you know, keeps me working on specific stabilizer muscles and okay. that I would never work out at the gym, you know, like, so I've never been to physical therapy ever okay. because other than whatever they told me to do right after surgery in the hospital, I remember, you know, being in so much pain, I couldn't believe they were making me walk. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. yeah I have to like, get up. It's like, you have to wait, I have to move. Yeah, don't. I just I, just you. You asked me to sit up. That was enough. Yeah, that's enough. I roll <laughs> over to the side. Uh, no more. It's like, and then you sit there for a minute, and you're like, happy button, happy button, <laughs> morphine, morphine. <laughs> but yeah, like I, I never realized. My doctor was just like, well, here's your Darva set or your Tylenol three, or you know, I think we had, I had. A, a physical dependency I know on the like oxycodones that they gave me or hydrocodones or whatever they were like after surgery mm -hmm. I remember my mom taking them away and saying well it's time to wean you off of these and I remember I couldn't sleep at night I was like what is this happening to me I don't understand and it's because I had been on the last two months on some type of pain medication wow I remember being so weirded out but no one explains this to you back then like yeah. and and then I was given a open script for the next 10 years of really that's crazy. So you've had the surgery about it's coming up on 20 years mm -hmm. and you have found an amazing chiropractor who sounds like the full package mm -hmm. of working out. I've had one that was not. 
<laughs> okay. Okay. And how long have you been with the one that you are with now? Um, just a few months now, like okay. the last three months, I think. So it, so it wasn't until this chiropractor that you discovered, like you were able to get strong and feel good and you didn't need the, the prescriptions. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I, um, he's just helped me recently because I've noticed my forward curve and my neck has been getting worse just from, I think gravity age and computer work. And so he's helping me reclaim my like arch in my neck. Okay. Um, but I got off the pain medication when I was, I think 23. Okay. I started and I was never on them on them. I was just like, take them occasionally if I ever needed something. I just thought, okay, I'm just going to be on ibuprofen and Tylenol every day for the rest of my life. And, um, that's kind of how my doctor said it kind of prefaced it. It was like, here's your meds, enjoy your life. Um, and then I found exercise. I started working out and I wasn't going to work out to alleviate my pain. I started working out and realized, oh, I'm not in pain anymore. I haven't taken ibuprofen in days. What the heck? Okay. my core muscles if they're strong I was working out to impress a boy like (laughs) I was trying to get my husband okay and and this is what happened (laughs) right like I started working out I met my husband at the gym and we started working out together and I was impressing like I was already working out at the gym but kind of just dabbling and then I got more serious about lifting weights and I was told never to lift weights the doctor said yeah yeah and then I was like oh my god what the heck and once I found weightlifting and like doing it right. And I started working out with someone who knew what they were doing and I got a personal trainer and yeah, once I got strong now, I'm, I used to be a health and fitness coach myself now, but now that I know what I'm doing, I'm like, Oh, I never have to be in pain again, as long as I just stay on top of it. And that doesn't mean I'm super strict about, it just means that like 50% of the year, I'm really, really working out my core muscles and taking care and su- of myself and, and sustaining it and sustaining yeah. it. Yeah. And, and I mean, this seems, you sound so confident and like, you're just, you're a ball of fire. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. I'm going to say you're a ball of fire, even though you have purple and blue purple hair, hair. You're, a ball, yeah. <laughs> you're a ball of fire, but I'm, I'm going to ask you this because there are people who are going to hear this, who are just like, they're, everybody's researching for information and help mm-hmm. and guidance. Mm-hmm. Once you started discovering that, like, oh, if I get my abs strong, I'm in less pain. How did that feel to you once that started happening? Oh, well, I literally felt like I had fears that were relieved a lot because I had so much fear of what is my later life going to look like? I feared for 60 year old me or 80 year old me that thought I'm just going to shrivel up and disintegrate and my other joints are going to start to break apart because the fusion is messing up the discs below and above it. And Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm just never, I'm just either always going to be in pain. I'm gonna have to have another fusion or I just, I'm not afraid anymore of what my future, I can have a totally normal life just like everybody else. And I don't have to worry about what my 60 year old body is going to do to me or my 70 year old body is going to do to me. So it's just about being in the moment of what you have mm-hmm. now taken in and been like, I got this. Yeah. I just air quotes. I took my power back from yeah. it. I guess yeah. I kind of accepted that. Well, you're, you're disfigured now you're 
your spine is broken, you know, this is just your life. Just deal with it. You're going to be on pain meds or have to take medication or have to have more surgeries or this is just going to be what it is. Okay. And after I found like exercise and I was an athlete, but I never focused on my core intentionally as a kid, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, you're like, you're not thinking about abs when you're a kid, you know what I mean? (laughs) And like growing up, I I played sports and did a lot of leg exercises and arm workouts, but like I never did functional exercises. Mm -hmm. And then finding that was like freedom. Okay. So how is it? So you talked a little bit, you talk about that, about abdominal strength now, and as a teenager, you played basketball. How is it now for you? Do you run at all? Does it bother your back? Does it impact you in any way where you're like, this feels great or no, this feels like I'm not doing it. The only time that anything hurts ever in exercising is when I jump back in full force. Like I used to, like if I try to run and I haven't ran in months, Okay. like I have to really ease into each exercise. I have to wear the right shoes. Um, when running good shoes is really important for me, but it, as long as I take it slow in the beginning, like, and I don't jump back into 40 pound dumbbells or so letting your ego go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have to, like, when I run, I have to just do a fourth of a mile, half a mile, walk most of it, jog a little bit. Like I can't jump back into running. If I've taken time off, I just can't like, cause then I hurt myself for a few days and then I'm in pain and it's not worth it. <laughs> so you're, so you've basically, what's happened is, is you have learned to listen to your body. Mm-hmm. I'm so intuitive with my body now. And I was not. So, and now jumping a little bit kind of further down the road, you are a mom. So many kids. Yeah. How many kids do you have? <laughs> Three. Okay. And then there's like, like a million, I was going to say, but then you also have like maybe call them kids, you know, all your followers on Instagram kids. Yeah. Yeah. So you have, so your daughter has scoliosis had had. Okay. Can you share that with us, please? Yeah. So, um, I didn't know about this and honestly, my knowledge of it is probably the only reason we caught it. Um, but had I not found it, we would never have started this business. We would never had the financial success that we've had, the freedom that we've had, the lifestyle that we have would never have come had my daughter not gotten scoliosis. So my youngest, my little sasshole, um, she is four now, but when she was four months, she was diagnosed with infantile scoliosis. I caught it. When she started to sit up, she would lean to the side and she would curve, you know, four months old, they start to try sitting up and she was curved. And I looked at her and she had that hump on her shoulder. And I was like, what the heck? Are you kidding me? And so I started Googling, found a Facebook support group for infantile scoliosis, went to the doctor and the doctor's like, I've never seen a baby with scoliosis before, but she's definitely got something going on here and sent me to the specialist. First specialist misdiagnosed her awful. We went to someone who was just a adolescent scoliosis specialist and he got excited to see a baby. It was kind of creepy. You couldn't get in to see him for months, but he was like, I'll see her tomorrow. Hmm. Well, that's weird. All right. He was like, Ooh, a special case. I want to see her. And he was like, well, she's got a congenital birth defect. And I was like, what? No, she doesn't. What? Well, we have to do an MRI and see if she has her kidneys. And here I am a new postpartum mom. Like what if she doesn't have her kidneys? Ah!" Like crying. And, and so I was like immediately scheduled a new appointment with an infantile specialist. There's no one in my city that treats this. I had to go to Cincinnati 
Um, there's one in Lexington and one in Cincinnati that treats infantile scoliosis. So I went to Cincinnati, he properly diagnosed her and it was not congenital birth defect. It was just a 33 degree curve. So in infantile scoliosis world, anything over a 30 degree curve before the age of 18 months, I believe Mm -hmm. I might be wrong on the, that statement, but it, anything over a 30 degree curve is automatically categorized as progressive infantile scoliosis. Okay. So infantile scoliosis, the not progressive kind or idiot, just plain idiopathic, anything under 30 degrees, they just watch basically hers was over 30 degrees and she was very young. So okay. they immediately scheduled a casting for when she was seven months old. The youngest he's ever done was six months old. So a made a cast there's, there is a way developed by Dr. Min Meta to permanently cure infantile scoliosis because before the age of two, they are bendable, moldable, flexible, and it does not reoccur in adolescence. So it's a different breed. It's a totally different ball game than the scoliosis that 90% of us, 90, you know, anyone that understands scoliosis is their sister or cousin yeah. or friend had it in middle school. It's mm-hmm. not the same bird, totally different breed. Um, operates differently, doesn't follow the same laws of physics that our bodies tend to follow. They're gravity defying. These babies are moldable and squishy and flexible and they can be twisted and molded straight. And then it stays that way. So, so basically we scheduled our first outpatient casting procedure. And then, um, the night before I, something in my gut said, I'm not putting my baby under, she's seven months old. She's only 14 pounds. I don't, I'm just waiting. I don't want to put her under anesthesia. I don't want her to go through the torture of this. Like, I just, can we wait? Because as long as you start casting before they're two, there's a very high likelihood of correction as long as it's not a congenital birth defect. So yeah, I was like, I canceled it the night before. I decided to get a second opinion from another, the the other doctor in Lexington, Kentucky that treats Mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. And he was younger and he was like more like laid back. And he was like, let's just wait and see, like, why do we need to like throw her into a cast already? Like, let's just wait it out a little bit. Like, okay. and so she went from 33 degrees and around seven months, she stayed at 33 degrees. And then when she started walking at nine months, she went down to 29 degrees. So once she started walking, she started to self-correct. And so 80% of 80% of infantile scoliosis cases self-correct by the time they're two. Um, that's amazing, but she was automatically categorized in the higher, not, not going to self-correct category Mm -hmm. because it was over 30 degrees. So the odds of her self-correcting because it was over 30 degrees dropped to 1.8%. So any, any, kid or baby or any infant that has over a 30 degree curve is automatically diagnosed as progressive yeah because there is evidence that shows only 1.8 percent kids that have progressive scoliosis self-correct most infantile scoliosis self-corrects 80 percent of it but once it goes over that 30 degree mark the likelihood drops it drops down to 1.8 percent and so she was the 1.8 percent that self-corrected but i canceled surgery the night before And every, and we went for checkups every three months and every three months, her curve went down until she was almost, I think she was 20 months and totally straight. I mean, there's a lot of therapy happening, which is amazing for adults and, you know, teenagers. So jealous. 
<laughs> I'll show you a picture of her real quick. Look, it's leaning yeah. to the side. Yeah. Every picture of her is like that. And I'm like, how did we not see this? She's always leaning to that one side. Wow. <laughs> Little baby it's, that's so crooked. And she's she's how old now? Now she's four. Straight and, and narrow. And she has no pain. No, you would never know. She's totally straight. That's 100%. I would never know it. And she, she and she all, and you went to a, the doctor, the orthopedic who gave the status of let's wait and see. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and that was. Little baby, little baby bones. Wow. That's her x-ray. <laughs> That's amazing. Little baby bones. That's amazing. For people who can't see it. Uh, Jamie just showed me an x-ray of her daughter at 32 degrees. Yeah. So, so she's four years old now and you've had surgery and you have discovered, I mean, you originally started working out because of your now husband, mm-hmm. future husband, yeah. um, <laughs> whatever way gets us to do things, mm-hmm. you, know? you know, um, and you live pain-free mm-hmm. and, and I know this is kind of off the subject, but I know that you also just had surgery for your ear. You, I had a cyst like tumor in my ear. Okay totally unrelated to anything scoliosis, okay. but I, I made a post saying that this surgery was just as painful as like my spinal fusion. It was like, no one prepared me for that nightmare. Ear pain is just a totally different kind of pain, but yeah, no, I had a tumor in my ear and they had to drill part of my skull away to get it out. So, so now I'm going to ask the question, you know, you've had such an extraordinary story. And like I said, you are a ball of fire with purple and blue hair. Um, but what, what, what advice would you give to somebody who is hearing this, who says, I'm, I don't have purple and blue hair. I'm not a ball of fire. I have scoliosis and I'm just, I need help. What, what is something that you would say to them? Well, I wasn't a ball of fire always. I was very much broken and, you know, kind of wrote off my life as like, well, you know, I just have to settle for all these things. Stop settling. Like, you get to have a fully functioning life. You get to be normal. You just have to keep fighting for the answers. Like, and my solutions might not work for you. We all have different fusions and different places, or maybe you're not fused and are wondering if you should or not. Like those, those are all only questions that you can answer, but there's so much information out there. And if you keep seeking a different opinion or, an expert that knows more than you and keep looking for the guidance and help of us and keep trying new things, like keep trying new solutions until you find the thing that works for you. Because for me, it was very simple. It was, I have to stay strong in my core. And that doesn't just mean doing sit-ups. That means a lot of lower back exercises, um, side stabilizing exercises. Um, it's not just like, Oh, I do crunches and it helps my back. No, it's, it's more so more functional exercises that work for me. Um, planks balancing different types of mobility exercise, but my husband's best friend's a physical therapist and we do a lot of workouts together. And so like, I don't have a specific scoliosis, you know, regimen that I follow, but I know what areas of my body now after 10 years of when I don't work these parts out. Okay. I know what, yeah. suffers. And now I've ran two half marathons. Um, I've given birth to two kids naturally since my fusion I've given birth to three kids total, but I had I'm hands down, <laughs> I had a natural birth with two of them. 
Um, How was it with the epidural? Did you have an epidural? They tell you, oh, the epidural is not going to take or yeah, epidural worked just fine. Okay. I didn't have any problems with the epidural. Um, you know, I even went and saw the anesthesiologist before I, I went into labor just to make sure that he thought everything would be okay and everything was fine. Um, but I, I had a much better experience when I didn't have an epidural because I just had a better birth experience. I did have some back labor, which was hard, but when you have a good doula or support coach, like my husband knew all the things to do. So, um, and the recovery is quicker. You just pack, pick up and start walking, go take a shower and <laughs> keep on living, keep on living. Yeah. On so living. no, you just have to keep advocating for yourself because you're trust your intuition, trust your body to know that whatever solutions that some medical professional has given you there, there's probably an alternative and it's not a one size fits all thing. It's very, very personal and different for each of us. I think we keep fighting because <laughs> it's worth it. Jamie, I'd like to thank you for, I, I'm going to end on that statement because it's just, it, it's, I mean, whoever's listening, I hope that they embrace your empowerment. I used to be a very big victim to my life and the things that had happened to me until I decided to start looking for answers and deciding it got to be better. It gets to be better than this. It has to be. And so it is now. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's taking back control. Yep. It's taking, taking power back. back. Yeah, absolutely. I'm in way less pain at my 34 year old body than I was at my 23 year old body. Jamie, I'd like to thank you for being a guest on the T3 Fit Scoliosis podcast. Um, Jamie is also known as the Slay Coach, which is non-scoliosis related, but <laughs> on Instagram, she is a $2 million online business coach. Correct me if I am incorrect. Yep. Um, and she helps women to create freedom through their passion and skills. So if you are interested in pursuing your passion, go check Jamie out on Instagram. And Jamie, is there anywhere else that people can find you on social media that you would like to share with us? Um, if you're building a business, we have a podcast called Slady Boss Radio, S-L-A-D-Y Boss Radio. And you can find me at theslaycoach.com. But thank you so much for having me. If you like this episode, chances are there's someone else out there who needs to hear it too. So it would be a huge favor to me if you'd go ahead and give us a five-star review. It helps me get the message out to more people. And if you need help moving in pain, then download my five free tips and I'll catch you on the next episode.